This is episode 545 of the AWS podcast, released on September 4th, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesh here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by not one, but two international guests. First, I'm joined by Andrew Kutzi, who is located in the UK. G'day, Andrew. How are you doing? I am doing well, Simon. How are you? I am well. I'm here in Melbourne, so we've already crossed, you know, date lines, time zones, and hemispheres. And to make it even more international, I'm joined by Jesse Felix, who is over in Berlin. G'day, Jesse. How are you doing? Doing well, Simon. Pleased to be here. That is good. Now, both of these folks are technical product managers for S3, the simple storage service, and we're going to talk about something pretty cool. In fact, uh, I have a storage background myself. I used to work at Veritas and Hitachi and these sorts of places, selling storage and designing storage systems and all that good stuff. And uh, what S3 has done for our customers, I think, achieves the dream that many of us old-style storage administrators had back in the day. But before we get into that, let me share a couple of interesting facts that kind of, I think, give pause for thought and give us some context here today. So from the very beginning of humanity to the year 2003, which is just 19 short years ago, which is scary when you think about where did that time go, um, over half a zettabyte of data was ever created. In 2013, it took only two days to create that same amount of information and the pace has been growing exponentially since then. So that shows you how much stuff we have and stuff has to be put somewhere. Now, putting stuff somewhere can cost money and avid listeners of the podcast will know one of my favorite topics is how customers can save money or not spend money or spend less money to get a better or the same outcome. And did you know the, since the launch of S3 Intelligent Tiering, which is what we're going to be talking a lot about today, back in 2018, customers have saved over $250 million in storage costs. And these keep accumulating because it's pay as you go, pay for what you use and save as you go as well. So we're going to dive into sort of how to choose things, how to design for, for cost optimization whilst delivering business outcomes as well. And so I'm going to have Andrew and Jesse both arm wrestle about who gets to uh, answer the first question here. And really, the, the question is, if I put myself in, in the seat of someone using AWS, you know, Amazon S3 has a variety of different storage classes, like just lots. <laughs> it used to be you had one and then there was reduced redundancy. No longer, no more. There's lots. Why do we have them and how do they help us with the cost optimization part? Who wants to give that one a crack? I can do it unless no, Jesse has no. any sort of objections. You're closer to GMT, you get to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Plus, at the time of the recording of this, you know, it's a little bit earlier for me than it is for Jack. So I feel like I have, have uh, the right to do it. Uh, um, I mean, before we dive, <laughs> go for it, Andrew. <laughs> before we dive into the range of storage classes that S3 offers, I want to talk a little bit about some of the patterns of cost optimization that we typically see today. And what I really mean by this is that today, customers generally follow two distinct paths for optimizing their storage costs. Now, the first path is optimizing for data with predictable or known access patterns. And the second is really for data with unknown, changing, or unpredictable access patterns. And we'll dive into the details later on in this podcast, but I just want to quickly highlight what we mean here. So a typical use case that has really well-defined access patterns is user-generated content, like photos and videos that we treasure forever. You know, once we upload a photo or a video, we may share it and we then get downloaded a few times. But after a period of time, those images likely see a steep decline in access frequency. Now, that being said, 
I would say that the vast majority of data today has unknown, changing, or unpredictable access patterns. You know, in reality, many use cases have access patterns that are highly variable over the course of the year and really can range from little to no access to data being read multiple times in a single month. And so you mentioned S3 intelligent tiering. Now, if you have data with unknown, changing, or unpredictable access patterns, many customers use S3 intelligent tiering to automatically optimize their storage costs. S3 Intelligent Tiering is a first cloud storage class that delivers automatic storage cost savings by monitoring access patterns at the object level and automatically moving objects that have not been accessed to lower cost access tiers. Now, if you have data with known or predictable access patterns, S3 offers a range of storage classes that you can choose from based on the requirements of your workload and really more importantly, how you want to access your data. Now, these storage classes are purpose-built to deliver the lowest cost storage for different data access patterns, and they charge a fee to store data and a fee to access data. So in deciding which S3 storage class best fits your workload, we recommend that you consider the access patterns and retention of your data to optimize for the lowest total cost over the lifetime of your data. So S3 standard is really designed and cost-optimized for frequently accessed data. This is the best choice for storing data that is accessed more than once a month. S3 standard infrequent access and the storage classes that I'll just talk about in a little bit are really designed for less frequently accessed workloads where your cost to store data decreases, but the cost to access data moderately increases. So S3 standard infrequent access is the ideal storage class for data that is accessed once every month or two. S3 Glacier Instant Retrieval is the ideal storage class for data that is accessed once a quarter. And for archive data that does not require immediate access, S3 Glacier Flexible Retrieval delivers additional cost savings with retrieval times of minutes to hours. And then S3 Glacier Deep Archive offers the lowest cost storage in the cloud with data retrieval in hours. And so if you have data with known or predictable access patterns, you can use these storage classes and S3 lifecycle policies to move objects to another storage class after a given number of days. Now, in addition to everything that I just mentioned, S3 offers storage classes for super specialized workloads. And so one example here is that for storing secondary copies in a different AWS region, you can use S3 one zone infrequent access, which delivers additional cost savings over S3 standard infrequent access, but stores data in a single AWS availability zone. And I think it's it's interesting, you know, we're, we're talking about trade-offs here between access frequency and the speed I need it back, et cetera. And, and you know, these are the tensions that we're always thinking about from a design standpoint. If we're we're building an infrastructure ourselves, we'd be thinking about those trade-offs. So understanding them is important. I think what's interesting as well is this all applies at the per object level. So we're not saying this whole bucket or a whole file system has to be treated this way. It's at the object level, which gives us some granularity. However, we're now posed with the uh, the 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 challenge and the difficulty of choice <laughs> the struggle of choices i've got you know you know a number of different classes i could use at different times uh, you know our old friend the answer it depends comes in so i'm going to ask jesse the 250 million dollar question ah. which is what is the easiest way that customers can <laughs> go about saving their money uh using all these different classes yeah Without question, uh, S3 Intelligent Tiering is the easy button that customers are using today to optimize their storage cost. And in fact, uh, I'll share a little bit of a trend that I'm observing across mm. customers. But today we see like a lot of customers now that are forming like these central cloud optimization teams. And often these teams are faced with two options. Either they analyze the access patterns for like many buckets, sometimes hundreds of buckets, 
to decide how to best fine tune like a lifecycle policy for each of those buckets, or they use S3 intelligent tiering. And more often than not, what I'm seeing is that customers are choosing S3 intelligent tiering as that easy button to apply across their entire bucket space to optimize storage cost. It's just really easy to, to use intelligent tiering. So it just, it just automatically moves stuff for me. I don't have to think about where it goes. That's right. And I, I think that's really what's resonating with customers. The simplicity of intelligent tiering is just uh, unparalleled. And, you know, a lot of times customers, they, they love storage, but they definitely don't want to be uh, analyzing it to the level of detail that maybe we want to. Mm-hmm. So they look at intelligent tiering as an easy way to optimize storage cost. One of the things that uh, Andrew talked about a little bit, and I'll talk a little bit more, is that intelligent tiering works by monitoring the access of every single object that you store in the intelligent tiering storage class. So we monitor access at the granular object level. And based on how that object is accessed, we'll move it between uh, automatically between a frequent access tier and an infrequent access tier and an archive instant access tier. And all of these access tiers deliver the same uh, level of performance and there's no, um, there's no application impact for customers. And again, you know, in terms of the workloads that are ideal for intelligent tiering, like we often see customers where they have data with a known or changing uh, access patterns, which is very typical of like data lake workloads, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where we see a lot of different users, uh, a lot of different clients accessing these shared data sets. And it's just really difficult to know like how access patterns are going to change over time. And you teed it up, Simon, actually in the beginning, but you know, since the launch of intelligent tiering, We've passed on over $250 million in storage cost savings back to customers. And, you know, it's making a difference. I I talk to customers uh, every week and I I get really excited when I hear from customers telling me that the, you know, the optimizations from intelligent tiering really allows them to fund more projects than they otherwise would have if they were not as optimized. And that's that's the exciting part. You know, people often ask me, well, "Why do you go on about you know saving money all the time?" It's because of all the cool other stuff you could do with that money. Like, um, you know, you're expanding your ability. And, and if if listeners, if you'll indulge me, a Grandpa Simpson storytelling moment. As I mentioned, you know, storage was in my blood uh, early on in my career, and the dreams we used to have of a not running out of storage. Well, S3 solved that. Never run out of storage in S3, but also being able to move objects through its life cycle to the right storage level without complexity to the application layer was like the holy grail. It was like the thing. You know, everyone would talk about policy-based storage, and then you'd have to leave little, you know, um, you know, markers in the files to say this has been archived. And then would it get archived back? Does it get archived back to the same place, a different place? Does the application have to be aware, etc.? All this is off the table now. Like this is a solved problem, which is. I think just so exciting for customers. And one of the reasons I think we, we you know, created this storage tier was because rather than making people roll their own tier management, they could just use this and get all the benefits without having to do any of the work. So I like that easy button analogy you used. But let's, let's demystify a little bit more. And let's talk about storing archival data at low cost. This has been another long-term challenge. Now, if I've got data I need to store for a long period of time, I have to know I can get it back, and but I don't want to pay much for it, but when I need it, it better be there. This is a classic problem for archival workloads, for research workloads, et cetera. Um, again, Grandpa Simpson moment. I even recall uh, helping customers 
record to tape in open formats and then put the tape drive in with the box of tapes so they knew in 20, 30 years' time they could restore. Doesn't feel great, but we have the S3 Glacier storage classes. So which one of you would like to tell us about how customers can make sense of these in the best possible way from an economic standpoint? Jesse, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's dive in. So I, I one, one of the things as you were talking, Simon, is I um, you know you, you teed up the uh, some of the the cool stats and and talked about uh, 181 zettabytes of growth by 2025, and you know really talking about the exciting growth and how the the store of human knowledge is accumulating, right? And, you know, all of those pictures of our pets and the food we eat, you know, we eventually are not looking at them as often as we did. So we want to think about our S3 Glacier storage classes to, like, really get the, the lowest storage cost for data that's rarely accessed. And or, or Jesse selfie. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> you're a lot looking at those. those all every day, Jesse. We know that. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that's <laughs> right. Those, those, those are on. <laughs> that's right. Those are on intelligent tearing. <laughs> Uh, but kidding aside, so using the Amazon S3 Glacier storage classes, uh, you know, businesses can safely and securely store data for years or decades without worrying about expensive or finicky tape drives uh, or off-premises tape archival services. Like today, customers can skip the data migration cycle they previously had to accommodate every few years because of the hardware refreshes. And this is a lot of the kind of like the context that you're giving us, Simon, that's really cool to, to hear. Uh, but, you know, Amazon S3 Glacier storage classes today, they're purpose-built for data archiving, and they give customers the highest performance, the most retrieval flexibility, and the lowest cost for archive storage in the cloud. And today, customers can choose between three archive storage classes that are optimized for different uh, access patterns and storage duration. So for archive data that needs immediate access, such as medical images, new media assets, or genomics data, customers can choose the S3 Glacier Instant Retrieval Storage class. And that's an archive storage class that delivers the lowest cost for storage that needs millisecond retrieval. And for, our, for archive data that doesn't require immediate access, but needs the flexibility to retrieve large sets of data sets at no cost, such as backup or disaster recovery use cases, customers can choose the S3 Glacier Flexible Retrieval Storage class. And with, with this option, customers will get retrieval within minutes to hours, and bulk retrievals that are 5 to 12 hours are completely free. And to get the lowest storage cost savings in the cloud at a dollar per terabyte, customers can use S3 Glacier Deep Archive. And so this really gives you some some interesting choices and trade-offs to make about you know how long you're storing your data for, but also how often you need to get it. And and maybe Andrew, let me ask you this curly one. You know, we're talking about you know S3 Glacier long-term storage. This is stuff I'm I'm never going to need, or I don't think I need, or I hope I don't need potentially. Um, but suddenly we've got this thing called S3 Glacier Instant Retrieval. Glacier and Instant don't seem to necessarily go together. So help us understand why this was built and, and what it provides for customers. Totally. So for a little bit of context, we, we launched S3 Glacier Instant Retrieval at reInvent last year. Uh, and we built it because customers were telling us that they needed to store petabytes of data indefinitely. And this is everything from medical records to news media content to satellite imagery, where that data must be highly available and immediately accessible. 
but it's truly only accessed a few times a year. You know, Jesse had mentioned this user-generated content example. You know, end users rarely access the images that they upload to photo sharing sites over time, but the site provider must ensure those images are immediately accessible when requested. So we talked a little bit about, you know, S3 Glacier Flexible Retrieval, S3 Glacier Deep Archive, which are storage classes that are, provide data retrieval in minutes to hours. And there are plenty of use cases that exist where these storage classes are an ideal fit. But we've heard from customers that wanted a storage class for data archiving that offered data retrieval in milliseconds. And that's really why we built S3 Glacier Instant Retrieval. Now, I believe that the launch of S3 Glacier Instant Retrieval fundamentally changes cost optimization and data archiving in S3. We are seeing customers from virtually every industry start to take advantage of the benefits that S3 Glacier Instant Retrieval provides. And so one example within the media and entertainment world is that you have assets like videos and news footage that require durable storage and can grow to many petabytes over time. Much of this data needs to be available immediately for breaking news events and video rendering, where S3 Glacier Instant Retrieval allows customers to archive older media content affordably while still making it available in milliseconds when needed. Now, let's look at another example, this time within the healthcare space. When you have hospital and you know, imaging systems that retain petabytes of data for decades to meet regulatory requirements, it's super important to optimize cost. And I just want to reiterate that I think our goal with today's podcast is that you walk away with a super clear understanding of how to optimize your storage cost for any workload in Amazon S3. So building off of this you know, healthcare example, this data is truly ice cold. <laughs> Let's think about it. Like if if you go in for an X-ray or a CT study, which hopefully you don't have to, yeah. but in this hypothetical, hypothetical scenario, <laughs> you do. You know, those images that are generated are going to be frequently accessed for a short period of time by multiple people. The radiologist, the physician, and the technicians. But after a month or two, those images are likely rarely ever accessed again, perhaps for a patient visit or if the radiologist needs to review a patient's prior history. So S3 Glacier and some retrieval fundamentally changes how customers with these types of workloads cost optimize their storage. It's really the ideal fit for those customers I was mentioning earlier on that must retain a large amount of data for years and ensure it is immediately accessible by end users, but only expect this to happen a few times a year. So just to reiterate here, virtually every industry has a use case for storing archival data at low cost. I think that this is largely true. I think we've talked a lot about it today which in the end allows customers to gain cost efficiencies and reinvest into their businesses. Now, I highlighted a couple of examples above, but there are many more. And one of the things that super excites me and our team and, and Jesse is talking to customers to learn how they use Amazon S3 to transform and innovate faster. We talked about the you know, media and healthcare examples above, but there's customers of financial services that are using the S3 and Glacier storage classes to analyze historical market data to improve prediction accuracy to customers with autonomous vehicle use cases who analyze vehicle sensor data that's often stored for multiple years. There are ample use cases yeah, out there, yeah. and it's really important to find the right storage class for your workload. Yeah, there's just so many, the more you think about it, the more you realize, aha, uh -huh, that, that makes sense why, why this exists. And, you know, one of the things I love about the S3 team is they do spend a lot of time out with customers like, like you and Jesse do. As, as That's your day job, talking to customers, hearing what they think, what they want, et cetera. And I've often mused that, that watching S3 as a service develop and grow and change over time 
has been like watching a team get the list of all the things that any storage administrator ever wanted to solve and then just like working through that list, crossing things off. And one of the big challenges that has always existed is I've got all this stuff that's stored somewhere, but it's really hard to track it, understand it, measure, report on it, et cetera. And so when S3 Storage Lens came out, that was pretty amazing because like suddenly I can, I have a lens on all my storage. I can see what's going on. I can make some decisions. But how does it fit? And, and Jesse, I'll come to you with this one. How does it fit in terms of using that information to reduce my storage cost? Yeah, that's a that's an excellent question. And one of the things that I, I talked about a little bit earlier in the context of intelligent hearing is how, or the trend that I'm seeing is more and more customers are forming these central uh, cloud optimization teams. And the, the, their mandate is effectively to, to look at trends in their usage patterns over time and analyze cost and understand what's really driving utilization across their organization. And this becomes especially important as customers grow more and more data. And we see customers storing hundreds of millions or billions of objects, mm-hmm. terabytes to petabytes of data on Amazon S3. And it's increasingly valuable for these teams to gain broad visibility into their storage usage. And that's really the reason why we built S3 Storage Lens back in 2020. Customers ask for a tool that makes it easier for them to manage their growing storage footprint and improve cost efficiencies. And particularly the, the, the big ask which we delivered, delivered with Storage Lens is that it provides organization-wide visibility into object storage usage, activity trends, and actionable recommendations to improve cost efficiency and data protection uh, best practices. So you can imagine, you know, being a central optimization team, having visibility across sometimes hundreds of accounts and thousands of buckets, and then having the ability to have that broad insight and the ability to drill down to generate insights and really understand what is driving growth, like what is driving um, activity anomalies. Like it's very powerful to be able to have that visibility. And it provides that, I think it provides that real in-depth view as well. Like you're seeing everything that's going on. And what's nice is it's making those recommendations, but it's also helping you find those outliers. Um, you know, what's what's unusual? Because an outlier can be a mistake as well. It could be, you know, someone doing something the way they maybe shouldn't be doing it. And this can also help you with that too, as well as understanding, am I doing things in a cost-effective way? Yes, absolutely. That, that The ability to understand what is driving the changes over time is really powerful and 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 in terms of being able to drill down customers can go down to the to the prefix level to like really understand like what are the top like prefixes that are driving uh, storage usage growth and that's a grain that you know customers previously they didn't have or they would have to use something like an inventory report with an athena query that now s3 storage lens can give customers, but in, in a very easy way, and customers can easily understand it, they can easily analyze it, and they can easily make optimization decisions like using interactive dashboards. Fantastic. That makes, makes it much easier to make those decisions. But let's just uh, round back and just make sure I'm, I'm clear on everything here. So what we're saying here is if I want to just press the easy button and just just let the system do it itself, that's, that's S3 intelligent tiering. That's the one that probably for a lot of folks, they should choose. Would that be correct at this point? 
That's right. Absolutely. But then if I have a really deep understanding of my workload, then I should probably spend a little time looking at my S3 storage classes because then I can really super finely grain match it without any monitoring needed on the objects because I kind of know what they're using. That's right. It's again, it's it, one of one or two typical design patterns, right? The the known or the unknown access patterns. And for data with unknown access patterns, S3 intelligent tiering is is hands down the, the best fit. Nice. And if you have known or predictable access patterns, you use the range. Uh, a storage class is really kind of purpose-filled to deliver the lowest cost for these different access patterns that we talked about earlier. Great. And then obviously if I'm if I'm looking, if I know I'm doing those sort of really long-term archival use cases and cost is my sort of overarching like it must be the cheapest it can be then s3 glacier deep archive is pretty much the one i'm reaching for you know i know that's going to be the cheapest as long as it meets the other criteria i have for my workload right sounds good i think we've uh, we've demystified a bit and it's uh it's nice to know that things are easier to do than they were not just in the past uh but even you know in the 16 years of uh, S3 doing its thing, it's got bigger and easier and faster and hopefully better for our customers and cheaper. So uh, I think the, the takeaway here is what are you going to do with all those savings that you get? Uh, what are you going to innovate with, which is which is nice. Andrew, thanks so much for, for getting up early in the UK and, and talking to us today. <laughs> no worries. And Jesse, thank you so much for joining us uh, from over there in Germany as well. Hope uh, it's been a good morning for you too. Absolutely. And we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.